ESPN LA 710. Hey, Travis Rogers here. When you're not listening to me on the Lakers pre and post game shows, tune in to The Experience with Laferne Cusack, where she goes beyond the play and focuses on athletes, fans, and the biggest events that inspire and shape our community. Listen to The Experience with Laferne Cusack, Sundays, 5 to 6 a.m. Welcome back to The Experience here on ESPN LA. I'm Laferne Cusack. Today, we are talking football with our good friends from Speak With Your Feet, co-founders David Ventre and Saul Gonzalez. Gentlemen, welcome back. Thank you for having us back. Now, I, w- I was following your your exploits on, on uh, Instagram. So you were at in Russia at the World Cup. Tell us about that experience. I was, uh, it was pretty amazing uh, being out there. I was out there for... Uh, about three weeks, and um, it was one of those experiences that um, you know that'll that'll stay with me forever. Um, I would say that one of the coolest things was uh, how much everybody was getting along. You know how cool it was to see everybody from different nations kind of come together because of the sport. That was that was amazing to see. Right, and David, you are currently you're a new dad. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you so much. Still, still very new, but it, it, it's awesome. <laughs> now, you experienced the World Cup here, and you gave me all the play-by-plays and what was happening. What was your experience for the first time with your son and the World Cup? So it was a lot of time spent in bed with him just watching the game because <laughs> of what time it was on here for us. But, uh, no, it was, it was awesome. Not that he quite understands it yet, but uh, he... It was actually watching the TV. I mean, I don't know if that's the right thing to do as a parent, but uh, <laughs> yes, but it he, is. <laughs> uh, he, he seemed to be interested at in least what was going on. So it was, it was very, it was cool to see. And this was an exciting World Cup. Yes, what even, was even more so than in the previous uh, years? Yes, yeah, I, I think definitely compared to some of the previous ones, this one was was exciting. There was a lot of there was some uh, unpredictability to it. Now, Saul, when did you decide that you were going to go? Um, I decided. Um, I think it was around December, January. It was uh, it was something that I had already. Well, I mean, the year before that, I had already decided that I was going to go. But you know, nothing's official till you buy your ticket. So um, that was about the time I started looking into tickets and flights and putting together the whole itinerary for the whole trip. And were you excited? Was it kind of a scary, you know? Um, way to like travel I know my first time out of the country I was like oh my god but I mean you guys have been traveling with speak with your feet all over the country so yeah um it was it was more exciting than anything I think if anything there was a little element about um about going to Russia itself but I think that that came more from from people asking me questions like I would tell people that I was going to Russia and you know, we would say, "Oh, be careful out there!" You, you, there's like a, you know, that preconception of, 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 I guess you can say, judging a country based on what the government is like. I guess in a way. Yes. And um, that was like my only worry, you know, about like security and being an American going over there. Um, you know how they were going to receive Americans going into Russia. I guess. But to be honest with you, I think that's all. That's as long. That's as far as it got. You know, um, Russia was beautiful. Uh, the people were really nice. Uh, we had no problems going in and out, going in or out, and you know, flying from one city to the other was was just as pleasant as flying into Russia. So, um, 
it was it was more excitement than anything. Mm-hmm. And you said the camaraderie, the fans. Tell us about that experience being with all those fans from all over the world. Yeah, um, I mean, it was amazing that the first game that I went to was Mexico versus Germany. And um, before the game, you know, the Germans and Mexicans were all taking pictures. And during the game, if you, if you sat next to Germans, you know, you're, you know, you're high-fiving and wishing each other luck um, and, and just kind of enjoying the whole event. You know, um, I think... I think that's what's the cool thing, and, and, and we've said this before, I think, in the last interview, that sport has a way of bringing people together that anything else does, and um, and, and I think living that mm-hmm. and um, and having that bond, you know, with with people out there was, you know, it's, it was amazing. Yes, and David, tell us about uh, some experience that you had watching the game. What was your favorite game to watch? Yeah, my favorite one. Well, okay, so we, we were in a house, and my wife it was born in Argentina, so she was, we were going for them, but they, they didn't have the greatest World Cup, as you can see. So uh, the, uh, I'd say the I most know. exciting was, that honestly, was, for, was, I know, but, you know, it would be, it was Mexico, because I knew Saul was over there, mm-hmm. uh, his brother was over there, um, his wife ended up going, and uh, like I said, the unpredictability, I mean, Mexico beat Germany, that was, that was massive, Um but I, I would say honestly, that first game that they played, with, that Mexico played, was probably the most exciting, um, uh, at least for me. I mean, obviously there were some more exciting games, but that one I'd say was number one. Yes, yeah. Um, I, re- I remember watching. Now, now I'm going to forget what team it was. Uh, <laughs> but I was crying, and I'm like, oh my god, I cannot believe I'm crying over football. <laughs> I can't believe it. But it was so great that it's like you can't leave the TV, you can't leave your seat, and it's like, oh my gosh. I did, yeah. The, the thing you know, in that, that Mexico game, um, it was uh, Chicharito that was. Remember, he's the one. He got emotional after the game. I think other players did too. But they they really showed that on the TV. Um, I just don't think that there's another sport that has the same emotion attached to it as what the, you look in the in the stadium with the fans. I think you see more emotion at least shown on their faces mm-hmm. um, than what I, I think any other sport has. I just yeah. it's, now I like it. I remember it was the uh, Croatia Denmark game. Is it Denmark? Mm-hmm. Uh, Do you remember that? Game? Yeah. <laughs> Yes. I was in tears afterwards. I was like, oh my gosh. But they did a good job panning to the goalie's um dad and then back to the goalie. That that goalie guy, he was uh listen to me, that goalie guy was a Casper. He was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um I, I, I really liked what David said about about um the emotion in soccer is just it, it's unbelievable. I don't know what it is. I I it's, I feel like it's become a part of the sport. It's already very passionate, but um, it's hard to see uh, that much emotion mm-hmm. put into a game, um, not just by the players, but by the fans, too. I mean, I, I I wasn't born in Mexico. I was born here in the U.S., and my parents are, were, and so I've always had, you know, a deep-rooted attachment to to the Mexican culture and to the people, and, and, and I, I root for Mexico, and, you know, unfortunately, the U.S. wasn't there, so... Yeah, I was there to root for Mexico, and uh, I mean, being there when when the national anthems were being played were, was amazing. But but even but even when the German national anthem was played, you know, you, you look around and and the Germans are singing at the top of their lungs, and they're just like 
they're just proud to be there. They're, they're proud to, to see their country be represented in the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a beautiful moment. Like, you know, for anybody who loves sports, anybody who who can enjoy that level of passion is just it was amazing. You know, it's 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 more so those moments that I took away from being there mm-hmm. than anything else. You know, win or lose, like there was something to be learned about humans um, in every game. You know, mm-hmm. whether it was when Mexico beat Germany one zero, or when they beat Korea, or when they lost to Sweden three zero. Mm-hmm. Every game had its own significance, and there was a, there was a certain bonding that happened amongst the fans. You know, there's different connections. You know, right. whether they're sympathizing because you know your team lost, or because um, or, or, or they're congratulating you in victory. That element of, of connection, which is what David and I seek, let's speak with your feet when we go out there and, and, and meet these kids. That, that right there, that connection that you had with these people was just amazing, you know? Yes, I, I totally agree. So let's let's talk about Speak With Your Feet. Can you tell us why you guys started started it? David, I'll start with you. What 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 was your reason behind Speak With Your Feet? You know, so it was the culmination of one we're playing since, I think, it speaks to the both of us, that we could both walk. We were playing the game. Um, and how much we got from it. And at, you know, we're both people that like to give back or, or we'd like to think that we make a difference in, in some way. Um, and Speak With Your Feet sort of was the perfect mix of it because we love the game and it was a perfect um, platform to, to try to make a difference in, or, or with. So um, we started with just collecting some donations, just used uh, soccer cleats and jerseys that we thought we could donate. And that's what basically got our first drop um, off the ground. And then from there, we started getting better at it, making the right connections, getting some new stuff. Um, and then it turned into, you know, we do clinics and, and school visits, and it just it's, it's gone from there. And Saul, what about you? What What's your inspiration? Uh, um, I, I've always felt that, um, that giving and helping and... Um, being there for underprivileged youth or, or kids with special needs or anyone for that matter. Um, I've always, uh, enjoyed helping others. And, um, and I think to the core, you know, that's, that's, that's what we do. Um, soccer has always been a big part of, of our lives. So, um, that's the platform that we chose, but, um, I think from the core of it all, it's just trying to make a difference um, with what we have and 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 going from there. You know, um, I I always feel like you don't have to be uh, rich or famous or or have a certain status in society to make a big difference. I think uh, if you if you put your heart into something, that you can uh, you can really make a difference. Yes, absolutely. Let's talk. Let's talk about when you guys first started in football. David, tell us your story. Gosh, my I first started. It was just you know, my parents just asked me if I if I wanted to try soccer, and I um, and obviously I said yes. And uh, once I tried it, I was I was hooked. And that was it was somewhere around five years old, or or I forget exactly when. But I you know, once I started playing soccer. They started to introduce, ask me if I wanted to play other sports, baseball, the American football. And 
I was just so hooked, and I, I had initial or uh, an immediate connection, almost like a, a loyalty to the game, that I always said no. I just stuck with soccer. It was just, I think it was just what was I was meant to play. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how to put it. Just I had that feeling in me. I connected with the game in a way that just it, I didn't want to do anything else. And Saul, you, your uh, father, he played professional football, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, not not completely professional, but my eyes, he could have been, you know, <laughs> yeah. better than Messi, for all I know. <laughs> <laughs> tell us, tell uh, us about no, your... I grew up, I grew up watching him play, and um, and soccer's always been a big part of uh, part of my family, and. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I have pictures uh, of me with a ball in my seat uh, before I can even walk. So um, it's always just been a, a big part of, of of who I am. And just like David, you know, I played other sports because uh, I played them at school. You know, I played bas- I played on the basketball team, and I played um, flag football, and I played volleyball and other sports. But soccer was always my one true, one true love and my one true passion. So. For me, um, it's one of those things that uh, it's like therapeutic for me. You know, you, you get out there and everything else melts away. You just you want to play, and, and and it makes you happy deep down inside. Good what, for your soul. Why do you think? Why do you guys think that soccer radiates so much with everyone around the world? Like it, it's like a huge game. Like why do you think it radiates like that? That's a great question. David, you want to go out that one? I mean, I, I think from a, at least from a, a basic standpoint, I think it's because it doesn't require much to play the game. It's not uh, one of those sports that you need all this these equipment to play. Um, soccer is, you, you need a, a ball, but it doesn't even have to be a, what we're thinking like a traditional soccer ball. Uh, Saul and I have seen them both. These, they come up with these inventive ways to make balls out of, what trash bags? I mean, you name it, and and then they just play. I mean, whether they're playing between two trees or they they find you know take off their shoes, put two shoes on the ground, have a goal. It just it's, it's all you need to start playing. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that's really you know part of what it is. Yeah, two rocks, whatever it is. You just yeah. I, I I agree with David. I think um, the fact that there's not a much equipment needed is uh, is already. Uh, a win in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can just find a space, and uh, and even you know, as a kid, I think you have like a huge imagination. I, I remember growing up um, playing soccer with my brother uh, anywhere. I mean, we would play in our in our room, our closet. We would open one side of the closet, and you'd have you know a rectangle shape, and that was the goal. Mm. And we'd have one of those uh, <laughs> one of those inflatable uh, beach balls so that we didn't break too many things. And you would you would do bicycle kicks from the top of the bed, and it didn't matter. You know, it, it's something that all you need is some, uh, something round, anything round, even a even a scrunched up plastic bag wrapped in plastic can can work. You know, anything works. Um, and all you need is is two things that are going to be your goal. And then after that, you know, you say anything that's below the knee counts as a goal. It's, it's a sport that, that, that uh, really caters to, to your imagination, to the core, 
passion, everything. Right, right. It's, it's funny. It's funny to say this. Lafern, there was a. I used to get my sister to. I used to con her into being a goalie for me in the house. <laughs> and there was like a, there was an op, there, yeah, there was an opening like to the to the dining room area. So it was perfect. I thought it was a goal. And I forget what type of ball we would use, but I would I would have her stand there, and, and she one time she dove and smacked her her tooth on the edge of the tile. So she, luckily it was a, it was a baby tooth, but she had a brown tooth until that thing fell out because of me. I never <laughs> learning lessons, right? Learning lessons. That was Brooke. Yeah, yeah. There, there are photos. You, you know when the time is. She's got a she's got a brown front tooth, but <laughs> well, you know she sacrificed for the game, David. <laughs> she did. I, I I take I take credit for being as tough as she is. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you guys uh, after. Uh, our interview last year, I believe it was, uh, I enrolled yeah. my son in soccer and, you know, ah. he was the best on the team. And I'm not just saying that the coach told me. <laughs> hey, that's, and we, it, the other thing that happened is all the other uh, parents were like when he first got out there and he started doing, you know, running and doing the drills. They said, oh, he's had soccer uh soccer lessons before and we're like no not one iota right but he was watching youtube videos of soccer and then he went out on the field wow. and he was like doing like um trying to do a fake you know and he did yep. a little fake and ran with the ball and got it in i'm like oh my gosh he's a natural <laughs> i don't know i mean yeah. is that how you guys learned like soccer or have you seen kids looking at videos and then imitating it on the field so you want well yeah yeah, yeah I, I i guess i've seen i think kids nowadays are, are really into the whole taking and and doing the elastico which is something that uh <laughs> the brazilians i think make popular ronaldinho and uh ronaldo and cristiano ronaldo and different players um I think it's brought a different element to the game. It's attracted a lot more kids because they see that these players or these guys doing really fancy moves. Um, they definitely watch a lot of videos, but I mean, as far as as it goes for me, I think just getting out there and playing was was what did it for me. I was never really um, taken about by all the the fancy moves or the big fakes, um, even though you know sometimes when it calls for it, you kind of you have to do it. But I think watching videos always inspires people, right? As a it's exciting to see, you know. You, you want to do that. You see, you see a professional do it, and you, you go out to your backyard, and of course you want to try it. So right. Well, he was yeah, watching that's, those that's tricks. That that. Yeah, it was it was yeah. those tricks. You know, they they have a video on YouTube Kids about all the tricks of soccer and football, and uh, so it's like trick after trick after trick, and it's like, oh my goodness, I can't believe you really picked that up. So, what do you guys look for? I know that you guys help a lot of kids with speak with your feet but when you go out and do training programs and stuff how do you start with the young kids like my son's five um like david when you put your son in soccer yeah. how, what are the fundamentals that you guys start with okay that you so you said the word and, and the whole thing is you start with the fundamentals because that's the 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 backbone of your game so what that's being able to well, that's it's passing the ball correctly, shooting like toe down. There's different ways to do that. There's the basics of passing, get it, just getting the 
Well, that's a one-two. Just, just the initial things that you get down with is the foundation of your game before you get really to the fancy stuff. Uh, we, we've always joined, like Saul and I have always seen, you can see guys that can do all the fancy tricks, say like juggling. Mm-hmm. But when you get them on a field, not always. They may be good players, but a lot of times it's, it doesn't translate. So it's really having the foundation, the basics down. So we work with kids with, I mean, depends how young they are, but usually with passing, shooting, uh, I mean, the, just control of the ball, head up. Because when you're dribbling, you want to get their eyes up so that they're scanning the field so that you can see where, you know, where players are around you. Um, just It's definitely the basics. But, yeah, the tricks don't translate over. The tricks come. Um, but you want to get the, the uh, your foundation set first. And, Saul, what about you? What do you think um, um, you do? Because I know I was introduced to you by Carmen, and she, her son, you helped train, and she was like, you took him from zero to ten in, like, a couple, <laughs> you know, practices. I think the beginning, it's good for the kids to always have the ball at their feet. I think uh, dribbling, collecting a pass, and passing are kind of the first things I would work on. Dribbling, whether you're dribbling through cones, zigzagging, or you're dribbling in a straight line, and then stopping the ball and changing direction. Um, those are the, the, the fundamentals. Uh, passing the ball back and forth. Um, I'd like to set up grid and say, okay, well, we're going to pass the ball, but the, but the ball can't leave this area. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always a good thing to practice, just stopping the ball and then planting your foot and giving a, a an accurate pass. Um, you know that th- those are the things that I'd like to start with first because if you can't, you know, if you can't stop the ball and then pass it, you know, it, it's going to be harder to, to shoot the ball and read the game. And I think those things come later. But I think uh, dribbling, uh, collecting a pass, and 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 passing are. At the core, the, the the most fundamental things that I like to work on at first. So do you, a lot a lot of oh sorry, the front go ahead. So do you guys find that some of the kids that you help that they pick it up right away, or is it more uh, of uh, stages into it? Or I guess it depends on the kid. Maybe I'm a, I'm answering my own question. <laughs> no, no, you're right. It did, it does depend on the on definitely on on the individual kid, but. It's it can be in stages. You can see kids that are are naturals, like the front. If you if you were sitting back and watching a team play or, or a practice or just a group of kids playing on a in a park, you can point out the kids that are naturals of the game. Like you're saying, like your son. Um, Why yes, yes he it. is. You can, <laughs> yeah. I'm so proud. <laughs> I am. I can't your, help it. Your son with a with an amazing name, might I say? I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. But no, you can no, you can spot it. They just it, it, I'm not saying you can't develop your game, but sometimes you can just look at a kid and you say they they got it. You can just see it. Yeah. And so you guys again, you started speak with your feet, and you collected gear for kids, um, and you took it back to Mexico. Can you tell us about your first tour to Mexico w- with gear? Yeah, we uh, we collaborated with a, with a few locals out there in Mexico, and um, and we we took um, a whole bunch of uh, soccer cleats, um, jerseys, uh, t-shirts, shorts, I mean, everything, uh, soccer balls, and um, we dropped them off uh, at an orphanage. We not just dropped them off. We, we we turned them in. We met with the kids. Um, you know, we 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 had them put the gear on. Um, 
and then uh, we took pictures with them, and then we just went out and played um, a little pickup game um, with all the kids. Um, I mean, that first that first drop that we did was um, was pretty uh, amazing and, and and very inspiring in its own way. I think you know you aim to to inspire the kids to motivate them to. To, to show them that that you know there are there are people out there who care and and, and show them that they're worth more more than maybe what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you you leave it's, it, you leave there with I think more than than what you left them with. Um, you give them gear and you give them shoes and you give them balls, but um, what they give you the, the the joy that they show you and. The gratitude in their in their eyes and 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 in their attitudes it's right it's something that sticks with you forever and and our first drop was was everything we expected and and, and a little more i think right did you notice a difference in the <clears throat> uh skill set of the kids in mexico than the skill set here that, that's mm. a, that's a good question <laughs> I, I wouldn't <laughs> i wouldn't necessarily say yes but I, I think I think the difference is though is that in, in Mexico soccer is like the sport. Mm-hmm. It's like the number one, and and here I mean it's not really the number one. I think here it's still football and basketball, um, and and I think maybe soccer comes in, you know, maybe third, fourth. I'm not sure. There are a lot of kids here that I that I see that are highly skilled. So I, I wouldn't necessarily say that the ones in Mexico are more skilled than the ones here, but I think there is an element of um, expectation. The expectations, I think, are a little higher, and the kids in Mexico probably spend more time playing soccer right. than the kids do here. So you know, the more practice, the better. So I think that's a test, that's a testament too to the how the game's growing over here because it before like I think back to like the introduction of the game to me like my dad used to tell me that when they were in school, soccer was a, a game introduced to them for one week during their physical education part of school. Yes. And they never never saw the game again until I started playing. So I think now that you'll see kids here playing at a higher level from at a younger age, it's a testament again to the, to the sport growing, which is obviously we, we love. Yes, absolutely. This is ESPN LA 710. I'm Laferne Cusack speaking with the co-founders of Speak With Your Feet. Saul Gonzalez and David Ventre. Now, David, you've had a huge year, a huge nine months. We talked about your child coming in <laughs> and, and you got married as well. Congratulations. Thank you. Can you talk about going from, you know, you guys working with kids, helping our community, developing <sighs> these programs to also balancing fatherhood and marriage? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun it's a, it's a fun balance i think at least, okay i took this on as sort of realizing that there was no way i think i was going to build a have it figured out before it happened <laughs> right I was, no <laughs> I, I was i think i was yeah luckily i felt like i was able to say you know what i'm just going to take this as it comes and and, and figure it out because i could drive myself crazy trying to <laughs> you know plan but um no i mean it's definitely there, okay, we have a child now, and it takes a lot of our time, a lot of our attention. Obviously, I want and I want to, I want to be there with them. So, um, I think now it's just finding the balance. But I, I'd say this: I am surprised at actually how much more time I do have than I thought I would. Does that make sense? Yes. Like it's it's totally possible still. Um, it just uh, 
the first the first uh we'll say a few months is is very intense though oh yes <laughs> get, get down, it's, you know you have this this child to take care of now so um but that doesn't come my my wife uh, women are champs with this like <laughs> amazed by the pro- like no yeah yeah just it, it amazes me so so you have a family as well is, am i remembering correctly um i i have a wife but we uh no kids yet. Oh, okay. Well, how did how did you go about balancing, you know, speak with your feet? I mean, it's your own nonprofit organization, but also handling work, ha- handling, you know, your family and and um helping our community. Well, um you know, it's 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 not it's not an easy thing to do, but um, you know, I think when you have the support of of your family, I think everything becomes a little easier um not just the support i think when they when they believe in you and when they when they want you to succeed and when they uh when they've got your back mm-hmm. i think it makes things a little more uh bearable and easier to kind of to get things done so um you know david's uh been great um even though you know he's he's had a kid and and, and now he's he's got more responsibilities and, and his time's not as uh He's not as available as much as he was before. I think uh, David's always been really good at this time management, and 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 we we made it work, you know. Yes. Um, I think uh, I think it's testament to to how strong our bond is, and 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 it's always important to have people behind you. Definitely. Um, you know, whether it's uh, David's wife or my wife, Evelyn. So um, it's great. It's great to have the support, and I yeah. think it's important in, in every uh, in every. Uh, aspect of it. Yeah, I I mean when I met you guys, you guys were so well connected <clears throat> and so grounded in what your organization mission is and how you are inspiring to connect, you know, the passion of soccer with kids all around the world. Um and you can really feel it when you guys talk about it and when, you know, when people meet you. Can you tell us how uh, our community can help you. What are some some of the things that or challenges you guys may be going through besides the time aspect? I know running a nonprofit is a, a very very difficult thing to do. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it, no, you're, you're right. It's uh, but as far as the community being able to help in or, or help or step in, or it would be one. It, one is time. I mean, when we do our events and stuff, we love to have uh, people that want to help us. People, we do get um, people reaching out, you know, wanting to know when our next event is, and they want to volunteer their time, which is awesome. The other things are um, anyone listening that you know has a connection with someone to do with soccer, whether it's equipment or um, like Saul and I got we were we were connected recently again with um, someone that created a soccer ball that's. It's nearly indestructible that we are able to make a connection with that could potentially be um, something that we can start distributing out with our drops to kids. Um, gosh, yeah, I mean, again, yeah, equipment is obviously a big one because we like to take uh, things for kids that, that they don't have that proper equipment to play with. But um, yeah, so I don't know if I'm forgetting anything. Yeah, if there's anyone out there that, that's listening to this podcast right now who who maybe is a tie has ties to you know any any sort of uh, sporting brand that um, that uh, manufactures any sort of any sort of uh, soccer equipment um, that would be great. I feel you know any sponsors that we could get um, we need to help more kids. You know um, mm-hmm. I know recently we've had 
a few people reach out to us from different countries as far as even South America goes. And, um, you know, they've requested us to help with, you know, kids that are in the numbers of up to like four to 500. And um, it's hard to travel to South America. Mm. Um, you know, on the budget that we have, um, and to just donate so many things, you know, I think I think that if there's any place where we would need a little bit of that help, um, it would be in that, you know, it, it would be to find someone who who could back us with with uh, with some help as far as uh, equipment goes for us to to make a big difference. And um, you know, so that that's kind of been a, a challenge to do. Yes. Um, but uh, you know, it's all for the good. So yeah. um, I'm very we're very optimistic about it. Mm-hmm. And um, and, when, and and of course, David and I recently got married. And David, you know, having his kid, we, we've uh, we've kind of not not really dropped the ball, but kind of let you know let go of just a little bit. Well, life so, happens. Um, I mean, yeah, it's life, like life and, and you're in survival mode when you have a child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. David had a child. I went to the World Cup. Things happen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you know what you're making me think of is. It really seems like at least you'll come across these stories of, of people that have succeeded in different areas of life, and it's like they'll have what with kids, and you can just you name it, tons of obstacles, and it's it, you kind of realize like, well, if they can do it, I can do it, or anyone can do it. So uh, I know we're kind of going backwards here. You said you asked me initially, but I think uh, really that there's there's if you're dedicated, there really are any excuses that can get in your way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about that on my ride down here to the studio. It's like there's no challenge that is too much for me to go through, you know. And going through that challenge, it only makes me stronger. So I'm stronger for the yeah. next challenge that's going to come up. So it's like... That's right. And they didn't have... Yeah. Yeah, it's like, stop your worrying, Lafern. You know, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> well- even just that that mindset, Lafern is is. I mean, just having that is 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 the the start of it. I mean, if you can go and have that mindset, it's, it's makes a big difference. It does, but then I'm only saying that because yesterday was a different thing. Because it was, I was worrying. I was like, oh my gosh, I need to get money. My son needs to enroll in this one. I need to do that, and and then you go down this rabbit hole, and then you end up messing yeah. up your whole day because you're worrying about something that you don't have any control over at the time, and therefore your <laughs> life is just going out of your hands. And then I said, okay, you know what? I'm not going to do that today. <laughs> you know what? That you, and that's that's how you do it. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, it's funny because um, I, I was at the Mexico-Brazil game, and um, I mean, there was a reporter that asked uh, that asked us, I don't even know what country he was from, but he did like a little uh, interview, and he asked me, he's like, you know, what do you think the score of today's game is going to be? And I said, I think Mexico's going to win 2-1. And he's like, really? They're, you know, they're not the favorites. And I'm like, yeah, but... If if I don't believe, then what what am I doing here? Oh wow! Like why would I be here? Why would I be here with a mindset that Mexico is going to lose? You know, right. like what 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 good does that do for me? And I think it's 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 the mentality that you carry. Mm-hmm. And and then I have conversations with other uh, Mexican fans there that were saying like, you know, I'm here. I bought this ticket, and 
you know, I couldn't sell it, so that's why I'm here, but I don't think Mexico's going to win today. And it's just like, mm. you know, it's a shame. You know, it's a shame that you think that way because, what you know, granted, they ended up losing, but that's not the point. The mm-hmm. point is, is that you're going in there always thinking positive. Yes. If you already think that you're at a loss, then, like, how are you even going to enjoy that moment? Exactly. You know? Yeah. And not every loss is a loss in life. You know, it's a lesson learned. It's a different emotion. You know, I, you have to be willing to accept it because, you know, in, in every sport, there's a winner and there's a loser. And mm-hmm. you have to go in there knowing there's a chance you're going to lose. Yes. And, and if you can't keep your head up after a loss and you can't, like, you know, congratulate your opponent, if you can't high-five them, if you can't give them a hug, if you can't trade jerseys with them after the game, then it's like, you know, I, I, you're missing the whole point. Exactly. And, and you can totally tell when an athlete is in their head and you have a team that's going out knowing that they're kind of defeated, but then when it turns around, you can totally see... Their posture is different. Their energy is different. Uh, you know what? I want to say it was with um, Japan. Remember when Japan played? Oh. Uh, was it Japan, Belgium? Yes. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. And Belgium was like losing and their posture was just like, uh. but then something happened, I think, after the half and they turned it around, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they too. There were multiple people that saw it. I remember then when when they, I think when Belgium got the first goal back, people were already saying we we're watching. I was watching on Twitter was Belgium's going to win this game because everyone could see the shift in mm-hmm. the the energy in the pace of the game. And it's it's that we we grow up always hearing like two zero is the worst score in soccer to have to be uh, the team that's up two zero because the other team gets one. Yes, the momentum of the game completely shifts, and a lot of times the other team will come back. Right. Um, it's definitely a thing, and and what you were saying, Fern, like about the rabbit hole, mm-hmm. or even just you know, is it, I think with practice because it's not it's not easy, but with practice, it's it's just having the awareness to catch yourself early yes. when you're going down that rabbit hole to turn out of it, and it goes even with if you're going through a loss or a tough time, it's like if you have the awareness to say, hey, I'm gonna come out of this stronger because of what I'm going through, um, it's a game changer, right. And then when you focus on the positive, when you focus on the winning, when you focus on your team, uh, you can, uh, I I don't want to say get more of that, but get more of that feeling, I guess, than focusing on the loss or focusing on what you don't have and the money that's not in your bank account. I mean, I'm not trying to make it seem trivial, but, you know, Words are really powerful, and where you focus your mind is, I think, where you know your life leads you. Like absolutely, like one hundred percent. Yeah, like Saul to Russia. <laughs> you know, I'm like, how did you plan that? <laughs> how did you get to Russia? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, was, it was fun. Oh, I like. A lot of people, like, there were a lot of people there. I'm like, how did they plan this to get to the World Cup? I mean, was it four years in the planning or was it, you know, just like you said, it was, a, a, what, a few months in the planning for you? Yeah, it was. I, I mean, I, I knew since um, since uh, 2014 when, when I, you know, I, I missed going to Brazil that I would want to go to the next World Cup. Um, 
and to be honest with you, when I heard it was going to be in Russia, it was a little bit like, you know, I it, Russia wasn't really like something that was on my map that like I need to go to. Mm-hmm. But having gone, I'm very happy that I went because um, I think it's it's a pretty underrated country as far as tourism goes. It, every city that I visited was was beautiful. Um, the people were nice. Uh, the food was good. Um, the stadiums were beautiful, uh, and everybody that was there for the World Cup was, you know, it was they were all positive experiences. Whether I heard about guys who had bought their tickets last minute, um, some fans um, that I that I ran into at the Mexico Brazil game um, had some trouble buying a flight from Mas- from Moscow to to Samara where the third game, where that game was. Mm-hmm. And the airlines knew that Mexicans and Brazilians, people were, were traveling to that city. And so they, they spiked the prices on the flight. Oh, wow. And w- which is something that, you know, you see here, you know, mm-hmm. in the summer, flying to Vegas is more expensive and whatever, blackout dates and all that stuff. But anyways, these guys took uh, an Uber from wow. Moscow to Samara, which is a ten—it's a ten-hour drive. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and, and they split—they split an Uber. It cost them in total. It cost them nine hundred dollars. Oh, and they split it three hundred dollars wow. each. Oh wow! But it wasn't—it wasn't too—it wasn't too bad because the flights were were like over seven hundred dollars each. Oh wow! And that's just the, that's just the one way. So if they found an Uber to take them back to Moscow, mm-hmm. then they then they did a round trip for six hundred dollars. <laughs> oh yeah, that's smart. And, and so you know, those are those are like the cool stories that you hear, like the sacrifice that people were sacrifices people were making just to make it to a match. Mm-hmm. And and it's really cool, you know, because people say like, oh, it's just a sport, and it's you know, you're gonna travel, you know, twenty hours in a car for a game that's only gonna last two hours, but. I don't see it that way, you know. Yes, it's it's all perspective, and no one's going to take the experience of being in that stadium from you. Yes, and I, the emotion that you feel uh, cheering your team on, and and, uh, and 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 feeling the vibes of the people there, and you know the energy there is just amazing. So um, there are no regrets on my end. You know, that's anything awesome. I, I would have wanted to stay longer. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Well, yeah, and I actually missed my return flight. By the way, I I was supposed to come back the twenty eighth oh. of July. I wasn't supposed to go to the Mexico Brazil game, oh. but uh, after the Mexico Sweden game, um, my wife calls me. And, you know, we're talking, and, and she's like, "Hey, what if uh, what if me and your sister come to Russia to watch Mexico Brazil?" Wow! And my brother and I were leaving the next day, so we're like, "Well." If this is serious, let us know because we need to change our flights. Well, there's a time difference. So by the time they actually let us know if they were coming or not, Jose and I were at the airport and we had a, we were either going to get on the plane to come back mm-hmm. or we weren't. So Evelyn calls me and she's like, hey, I just booked my flight. Oh, so how when cool. she said that, So when she said that, we missed. We missed our flight home, and it was too late to notify the airline. So we, we completely missed, you know, we lost that. We lost those flights home. Oh. We lost our flight back from Moscow to L.A., and um, and we stayed. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Evelyn came to, to, to Russia, and then we had to rebook 
um, an Airbnb into, into a new city. We had to book the flights there. We had to book the flights back. And then booked the flights all the way back home, which, you know, was pretty crazy. But, <laughs> but you did it. it. Yeah. Yes, all worth it. You know, <laughs> some, uh, some, you know, we talked about, you know, miss or preconceived ideas. When you were talking about the fans, one of my first things when I was like, oh, all these fans, like if their team loses or if another team wins, are the fans going to, you know, break out in Discord? I, I was really, I was worried about that because soccer fans are really, <laughs> they are really committed to the game and to their team, you know, and I was wondering, I was like, okay, well, what's going to happen once they, you know, they get all together and something goes down? But you're saying that it, it was more camaraderie than, you know, team against team. Yeah, for, for sure. In, in my experience, it was um, everybody was getting along. Um, there was a moment in the Mexico-Brazil game. I think it was when Mexico, uh, no, Brazil scored their second goal. And um, I was sitting, there was, in my section at least, there were, there were a little more Mexicans. But to the left of me, there was a full row, full like three or four rows of Brazilians, maybe like 20 people across on each row. So they had a good little section there. Um, the guy next to me, all the guys next to me were super cool. We were, you know, having a good time. But there were some Brazilians sort of in the middle of that group mm-hmm. that were turning around and they were, you know, giving the finger and and really, like, kind of doing too much. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they were looking they were looking to kind of rub it in, but not in a, not in a very uh, positive way. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with, with people cheering for their, their team and, like, celebrating their goal, of course. Like, you have to. Like, mm-hmm. your team just scored, celebrate. But these guys were kind of teasing, kind of mocking some of the fans. And I turned to the Brazilian guy and I told him, hey, dude, what's up with that guy? You know, he's, he, he's, it's, not, it's not cool that he's doing that. And he's like, you know what, it's not, you know, but every, you know, in every place of the world, there's people who act that way. And... It was one of the truest statements because when the game ended, Mexico lost 2-0. And, and for the most part, everybody was, you know, high-fiving in a good game. Mm-hmm. But there was, a, there was another, a Mexican fan maybe three, three rows below us who started throwing beer oh. at, at the Brazilians that were sitting next to me. And, um, and, 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 here, and here's where I, why I say that my takeaway is still positive because the Mexican fans around us um, – made it a point to call security on the Mexican fan mm. who was throwing beer. Yeah. So we came together with the Brazilians and we're telling him, hey, you know, that's not, that doesn't represent Mexico. That doesn't represent who we are. Mm-hmm. It doesn't represent, uh, you know, what, what Mexicans are about and kind of calling him out really. Yes. And so to me, that's, that's the bigger picture for me. You know, there's always the people from I'm sure from every country, yeah. um, you know, who you know, or like the bad seeds or who, who want to act a fool. There's or whatever. always one. <laughs> there's always one or two or three. But but the, but you know, the takeaway is still very positive. You know, when we left, there was a lot more high fighting than, than anything else. You know, there were still guys outside of the stadium taking pictures. You know, Mexico and Brazil jerseys and 
And I found it to be the same way when, when Mexico played Sweden and when Mexico played Korea and even when Mexico played Germany. So, you know, when it lose, everybody was really cool. So that, that, those connections that you make with fans from other countries, those were the best parts for me. Uh, My yeah. favorite times. Yeah, absolutely. Now we have Croatia and France coming up. So what do you guys think that Croatia did to gain the upper hand in um, getting to the final? Oh, man. Oh, man. That's a combo. It's, it's like it's, they, they do have, they have some players that are big names. They do have some. Um, not as much as France. You know, France has more household names throughout the whole team, but um, I think with Croatia, you're looking at a, a, a very a smaller country and a, a lot of heart. Um, the, la- the last two games that they played, both went to extra time, so they've played games that went an extra 30 minutes each mm-hmm. um, and got through them. They've, they've definitely come through some adversity there. I think it's a, it's a lot of heart. Um, I forget what the stat is too. It's it's. I think they are. It's the second smallest country to ever get this far. I don't know. So, do you know for sure? I, I want to read something about that. But, yeah. Um, I, all I know is that there's 4 million people in Croatia, and I think there's like 3 million in L.A., so yeah. um, <laughs> it's a pretty small uh, country, and I, and I think it just it speaks volumes about what the youth system has done in their country to, to kind of... Uh, bring that team to that point. But I think uh, I'll touch a little bit more of, on, on your question. I think Croatia, besides like what David said, them having a lot of heart, mm-hmm. I think they're a team that plays very well together. I think um, every player on their team um, plays their role. Mm-hmm. So they're not, they're not like, you know, players who play on like the best clubs, I guess you can say in the world. They're not really big on their star power kind of thing, but um, I think, you know, the left back does what the left back has to do. And the right back does the same. And I think in all, they stick to what their game plan is and they stick to their strategy mm-hmm. and they execute it and they don't give up. You know, they don't give up. They fight till the end. And I think uh, it's pretty cool to see a team like Croatia make it to the final. Yeah. Um, I'll see what happens tomorrow. Yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm definitely not counting them out, though. I'll tell you that much. I wouldn't put my yeah. money on this game. Yeah, no. And, you know. it, and to, I completely agree with what Saul was saying, what he added to it. And to add to that, it's like you, England did much better in this World Cup than, than the past ones. But a lot of times you see a, a team like England that have a lot of big names, but they aren't able to put it together and play to get, like play as a team the way they need to. And the same with actually even with like Argentina is a big one with having oh. Messi and some of the players is about playing. The, but the point is, that, yes, Croatia they click as a team, and uh, it's it's showing obviously, right? They're in the right. they're in the final. So what about France? So what are what do you guys see as the strategy for France or their their points where they're most skilled at as a team? <laughs> oh man, I I really like uh, Griezmann. Griezmann to me is like the heart of the team. I think he um, he controls the pace. Um, along with Bogba, but I really yep. like Griezmann the way he plays. I think uh, I think when Francis needed the game to slow down, he's the guy that gets the ball and will slow the game down and and play the ball back around. And and I think when they need to go forward, he's he's very dangerous going forward. I mean, he can pass. He has good vision. And he's he can score. Um, I you know it's I. 
and then Mbappe at 19 years old with oh, what he's yeah. doing is, is is incredible. He is. I, I, you know, I think I think France has a lot of weapons, and 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 the thing is, is that they're all in a very good moment. So it's it's hard to be. It's going to be hard to be France. But it, I do think it's doable. And, and the way Croatia's been playing and the, the, the morale that they have coming into the final, it's going to be a good match. I'm excited for it. They- Definitely. The the um the the cool thing too was like you say Mbappe like they France has has they have pace they have guys with pace Mbappe being one of them you saw that against Argentina the way he went through the team but um like as an example some some people that I that I know that aren't real big soccer um, fans someone like him he's kind of created like a a bit a name for himself got them into the game mm-hmm. they're they're like oh you see this kid Mbappe he's only 19 years old scoring these goals at the World Cup and it, it's it brings more people to the game, which is cool, which is another thing about the World Cup. Yes. Yeah. I was, uh, what was I, was, I was thinking about? The the height of some of the players where that one player jumped up so high that he was able to <laughs> uh, get a goal, you know, on his head, through, <laughs> using his head. But he just jumped up naturally, but he was jumping up higher than anyone else because he was so tall. <laughs> I'm wondering if it's... Um, you know, is it... speaking of height, there is one guy on France that to me has been... I, I I don't know if you would call him the MVP, but he is certainly, I think, the most underrated player. And he's a defensive center mid. His name's uh, Ingola and uh, Conte. Conte, yeah. David, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, he, Con- he, yeah Conte. I yeah, think yeah. has been huge, like huge, huge to France's success. And I think because of him... Griezmann and Pogba and other players in the midfield and even in attacking bid uh, for for France are able to do what they do because Kante is everywhere. Yes, and he is not tall. He's not like he doesn't look like he's like physically like strong. He's a very smart player who reads spaces really well. And I mean, to me, I, you know, I hope he gets the credit he deserves because he's been amazing to watch. Yes. I think players like him kind of slide into the radar because they're more defensive than they are offensive. Mm -hmm. But he's that guy who kind of, you know, destroys and kind of disrupts the flow of the opposing team Mm -hmm. and then just passes the ball, gives that outlet pass to whoever needs to get it, and then kind of resets himself back in the middle, which Mm -hmm. is very important. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Um. And there's uh, Mario uh, as well. Mario Mandzukic? Mandzukic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. I'm getting my soccer on. <laughs> no, you got <laughs> Yeah, it's really crazy, right? Yeah. Are you talking yeah. about the, the way he scored the last game? Yeah, he's... Yeah. Just an oh, amazing yeah. player. He plays at Juve, right? Is that the one? Yeah, yeah, that's him. Nah, I tell you, yeah, that that was that sure was an exciting game, though. Yeah. Well, t- wait. I thought he he was. Uh... Oh, right, right, right. So he when he was playing against England. Yeah, he. You're talking about because he's the one that got the the last goal, right? Yeah. In the in extra time. Uh, I believe so. 
Yeah, he is. He's, <laughs> he scored the, set, the the goal in overtime for Croatia, and he's the one who tackled the the cameraman. Oh, right. And <laughs> they started kissing the cameraman. <laughs> yeah. And, and um, that was one of those moments, beautiful moments that will go down in history. Yeah, so that was really cool. Definitely. All right. Um, okay, let's let's get back. You guys have provided <laughs> so much fun, um, such a fun show. So thank you guys so much. Okay, so co-founders of Speak with Your Feet, tell us uh, what you guys see for the future for Speak with Our Speak with Your Feet here in Los Angeles, <laughs> <laughs> David. Uh, you know, I we're okay, we we're definitely open to, to what it can grow uh, to become, but I think. For us, it's just to continue the forward momentum to to touch as many um, you know kids in different countries uh, here as well, of course. But to get out and just get the message, uh, help as many kids as we can, um, and and just like just be open to what you know comes our way. Like this is a perfect platform for us. So we have to thank you for allowing us to come on again oh. because it, it, who knows who we may meet because of this. So yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, and so can you talk about, give us some tips on if we want our kids to get into soccer and ways we can uh, help them succeed? I think just getting your kid out there to, to if, if, you know, if you've got a small spot in the backyard that he can take his ball out to and kind of dribble the ball around and practice uh, kicking the ball against the wall and kind of stopping it and dribbling. And I think any touches you can get in the ball during the week, um, are great. You know, AYSO has, has been a big part of American soccer for, for the youth. Anything to get out there for the kids to be excited about. Just at the end of it all, the kids want to get out there. They want to kick the ball. They want to score some goals. And, uh, you know, they want to have their halftime orange and their, and their kudos bar at the end of the game. So I think just getting out there and, and playing the game mm-hmm. is, is the best thing you can do. I think um, when, when the kids are starting, um, you, you, of course, you want to teach them the fundamentals, but everything comes naturally in the game by just playing the game, um, letting the kids get out there and laugh and, and making it fun for them is, is what's going to attract them to the game. And I think that, that soccer has got the element already built into the sport. So, yeah, that's, that's the best thing. Just get out there and enjoy the game and, and that's ha- it. And know? have fun. And if anybody would Have like fun. to, yeah, and if anybody would like to donate any soccer jerseys, shorts, soccer shoes, guards, anything, soccer equipment, soccer balls, how the, how can they get in touch with you guys? I know you're all over social media. Yeah, social media. So um, Instagram is, is speak with your feet. Twitter is speak with your feet, but your, your is spelled U R because it would just. Twitter's uh, yeah. <laughs> limits on the, how long the name can be. Uh, speak with your feet at gmail.com. If you just want to shoot us an email directly, that's an easy way to get a hold of us. And we'll definitely answer and, and we'd be happy to, to accept or and collaborate or whatever it is. Oh, well, I thank you guys. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing Speak With Your Feet with our listeners and also sharing your love for soccer, football, and uh, your experience at, in Russia at the World Cup. Thank you guys so much. Oh, thanks again for having us. Thanks, friend. We appreciate it. Thank you, Sal Gonzalez and David Ventre. Again, co-founders of Speak With Your Feet. Uh, check them out on Twitter or Instagram. I'm LaFern Cusack. This is ESPN LA 710. ESPN LA 710.